This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you happen to be this amazing Sunday morning here in Los Angeles, at least. I'm uh, here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, here, host for the next 30 minutes on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. We're here for you, we're here for your pets. So any questions you have, anything you want to talk about, now's the time to get it. It's free advice, free help. I mean, hey, you can't ask more than that. Uh, and, you know, for those of you who are doing telemedicine already, this is basically telemedicine at its finest. I uh, get to talk to a veterinarian, real time, with your pet. You know, it's really great. So um, anyway, I'm also simulcasting live with my Instagram live. So anyone on Instagram, if you want to ask me a question to join, we just had a question. How do I join here on Pet Life Radio? PetLifeRadio.com. Go to shows, ask the vets Dr. Jeff, and you scroll down, you'll see a Zoom link left for you. Just click on the link and you'll be here live with us and my producer, Mark, here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. So as you know, I always like to peruse the news, the American Veterinary Medical Association Smart Brief, AHA, American Animal Hospital Association News Stat. So um, just some things that, that I I find interesting. Hopefully you'll find interesting as well. You know, if there's some, some esoteric facts about veterinary medicine, I'm not going to share that with you. But if it's about you or your pets, I'm going to share it. So here's one. And this one, interestingly more, is a warning for you, for us. And that is West Nile virus has been now found in seven states. Here they are, Arizona, Arkansas, Colorado, Illinois, Iowa, Massachusetts, and New York. So where there are mosquitoes, there's heartworm disease for our pets, and many of them carry West Nile virus. So um, just you should know, make sure you take really good steps to at least avoid mosquitoes. Put whatever you need on for yourselves, whether it's the patches, whether it's the spray, and make sure your pets are on heartworm preventative. But that is very, very important because West Nile is very serious. It can be deadly for us. And of course, heartworm disease, likewise for our pets, is very, very dangerous. So this is a, a, a kind of a, a cute story. I have to leave some of the things out. I have to leave some of the things to your imagination for obvious reasons when you're here. But you know what they say about bunnies, right? The expression, well, someone saw like a bunny. Anyway, there was a couple of abandoned pet bunnies. And this is in Minnesota neighborhoods. And there were like, they say about 20 or 30 to start with. Now there are hundreds of bunnies on these neighborhoods in Minnesota. So just one thing about bunnies, and I know this firsthand, A, I do work with them sometimes on occasion. They are not easy pets. I mean, I would get a cat or a dog over a bunny anytime. You really, once you know them, once you are aware and once you have practice, then yeah, they're pretty easy. But it's not like a, like a starter pet. Get a guinea pig, get a hamster, get, get a kitty cat. Uh, bunnies uh, need a lot of sort of expertise early on and uh, even feeding and, and how to house them and, and what kind of exercise to give them and what to expect of them. So, and of course, spay neuter is not easy in a bunny. When you're doing a lot of them, yes, it gets to that point, but it's not as easy as, in my opinion, as, as doing a cat or a dog. Anyway, so uh, you want to make sure that if you're planning on getting a bunny, that you are very familiar with them at the onset because... If not, and you let them loose, you let them go, you return them, there are unfortunately, and rescue, bunny rescues across the country, hundreds and hundreds. And this happens, for example, every Easter. Everybody wants to get a bunny during Easter. Uh, no different than want to get a Dalmatian after Disney re-releases 101 Dalmatians. I mean, let's face it, they are really, really cute. They're adorable. And they're, they could be good puppies too, but they're not as easy when they get older. And uh, so all of a sudden people are saying, wow, this dog has a lot of energy. This dog doesn't train well. I got to take it back. 
So that's how I feel about bunnies. So just know that if you are want to get into it, do it, but do your homework first, learn what you can, and just go slow at the beginning because as I said, it's not, not so easy. Now, this is was predicted. We talked about it before, and now we're seeing it. I've already seen it in other municipalities, and now I'm seeing it here in Los Angeles, and that is they rise again in animals, mostly dogs, but dogs and cats, but mostly dogs being surrendered to animal shelters that were adopted during the COVID pandemic. Now people are going back to work. Now the issues with anxiety and the animals aren't doing well. The neighbors are complaining. They can't take the animals to work. So what do they do? Whereas they were home pretty much 24-7 at the beginning, and now they are going back to work, which is great. I'm glad that things are opening up, but you need to make arrangements for your pets. You need to train them. There are ways to do it. I hate to see these animals being re-surrendered to shelters. That's where they were. Can you imagine from the animal's perspective, you get this pet, let's face it, mostly dogs. So you get this dog, and for whatever reason, it's surrendered to an animal shelter. It grows up with the family. Was it tough to train, to house train? Was it barking during the day? You know, was it aggressive? Whatever the case may be. And the owners say, okay, you know what? We're bringing it in. Now, COVID comes. And you have all these dogs in these animal shelters. And now they get adopted. And they go to a new family. Maybe they have the same problems. Maybe they don't. But whatever. So they're there with the family for a year. And now, all of a sudden, they're being re-surrendered, surrendered again. You know, like I always guard against anthropomorphizing, but this poor dog, I mean, really. So it's it's like nobody loves me. So if you can work with somebody, there are trainers out there that are totally willing to help you with your pets during these problems. Don't just rush back. Don't take the easy way out. Trust me, it pays off if you spend a little more time, a little more money working with this pet and you can have a, a wonderful relationship. All right. This according to the CDC and the FDA that those of us that are fully vaccinated don't necessarily need boosters yet. They don't know when we're going to need boosters. Obviously, what they're doing is they're studying the antibody test. They're studying to see how long do those that have been vaccinated or those that have had COVID. And that's another argument altogether. You know, there are a lot of people, and I know some of them, that had COVID are monitoring. Two of them are physicians. They're having their antibodies monitored. They have high antibody load. And they're saying, why, why should we get a vaccine? I mean, their vaccines are not 100% safe, as we know. Every one of them has had some bad things going on. Why, if I have antibody, a lot of antibody, what do we need a vaccine for? So uh, these are some of the questions that we're getting. And now that we, those of us that have had vaccines and are fully vaccinated and have antibody, how long does that antibody last? I mean, we get to these vaccines as kids and that antibody is lifelong. Let's look at the dog, for example, with distemper parvo, distemper virus, parvovirus vaccine. So when these vaccines, we started giving them, I mean, distemper for years, parvo since they came, the vaccine went, parvo hit in like in 1978, once we had the vaccine and now they've combined mostly. So we have the, you know, the distemper parvo bordetella vaccine, but this, the one that we usually get is the distemper parvo parinfluenza vaccine, okay? Adenovirus type 2, et cetera. So, which is formerly hepatitis. It was the DHLP is now the DA2PL. The lepto is now with or without. I personally don't like to give lepto across the board. I use lepto as one of my lifestyle vaccines. You know, dogs in the city uh, along the Wilshire corridor that barely touch the ground don't need lepto. Anyway, that's another, another argument. So the issue, so we had our distemper virus vaccine, distemper parvo was good for a year. And then more research was done. And then they said, oh, it's good for two years. Now, if you look most DA2P parvo vaccines, good for three years. Did the vaccine change or did our knowledge of the immune system change? 
did our studies change to determine really how long do these vaccines last? That's what's changed. Vaccine's the same vaccine. So, so it's very important to uh, you know, not rush to get vaccines. What I've been doing, and we've talked about this before for December Parvo, is instead of, even when the three years is up, instead of just automatically randomly giving a vaccine, that patient may not need it. That one may, but that one may not. So I do titer testing, inexpensive. You can do it right in the office and uh, you can tell whether or not the pet still has ample antibody load. And if it does, do not vaccinate. I don't vaccinate just because the machine tells me that reminder card went out because the manufacturer told me, oh, it's three years. Oh, really? I had a rabies shot when I started vet school. And they say in people, rabies shots are good for about 10 years. So I was at a conference, the AVMA, the American Vet Med Association Conference. They always have a booth to give bloods because doctors, just like MD doctors, veterinary doctors are terrible patients. I'm one of those terrible patients and I hardly ever go to the doctor. So I'll go to this booth and I'll get my bloods drawn. And there was an opt-in for an extra, I don't know, whatever it was, $50, $40 to get a rabies titer. And that's interesting. I, I, you know, I'm just curious. It's been 25 almost, I think it was like 25 or 28 years since vet school. And I wanted to find out, I wonder if I still have that. I mean, I don't deal with rabies. I'm not dealing with wild animals. I don't know if I would even get rebooster, but I just wanted to know. Anyway, PS, I still had a high titer, 28 years out for a vaccine that's good for 10 years. So every animal is different. Every person is different. How we respond, how our immune system works, et cetera. And therefore I like to individualize it. So don't rush to get your revaccination. Maybe have an antibody test first and see if you still have a good amount of antibody, a high antibody load. You may not need to be boosted, and that's what I'm going to do. Anyway, so much for the soapbox. All right. This was also interesting. There was a, a book out I read years ago. Uh, it was written by a professor at some small uh, college uh, in the Midwest, I think it was. Anyway, the book was called Chaser. And Chaser was about this border collie who apparently had the, the largest vocabulary of any dog ever at least recorded, over a thousand words. And what this dog used to be able to do, what the owner, the professor did, is he would teach Chaser names of different toys. And then he would say, okay, go get, you know, Ruthie, go get Sarah, go get Bill. All right. And that dog knew exactly what to, and there could be a pile of a hundred toys and he would find the right one. It was amazing. He used to go on TV shows. I mean, it was fascinating. Anyway, the study now says that some dogs do have ability to learn object names. I said like Chaser, they looked at 40 dogs, seven of them were able to, with some actually intensive three month training, they were able to identify names of the objects that they were taught. Now, others were not able to do that. And so obviously, there's something different in, in I guess, dogs' brains as there are with ours. How some people can latch on to something very quickly, some people don't latch on to it very quickly. And this was, you know, just an amazing ability to learn, to learn words. And what I found interesting is I had a professor in vet school that didn't really like, in general, the education system as it was. He says, because we have a lot of courses we take. And there, there, I was on the quarter system, so there were 10-week courses. And there's some students that need more than 10 weeks and some that were able to do it in six weeks. So instead of doing that, having a curriculum uh, like uh, uh, that you have the year, this is what we're going to learn this year, have more independent study, have more professors available to work with problems, but not necessarily sit in that classroom for 10 weeks because it gets some students get really bored and others might need more time. And some students might do really well in one subject because it just clicks, but not as well in another. I mean, me, organic chemistry. I hate organic chemistry. Fortunately, I don't have to use it every day. I, of course, I don't have to use it at all. But, but 
I hated it. And yet that was one of the most important classes that were judged on to get into vet school or any or medical school or dental school. It was organic chemistry, OCHEM. And uh, that was grueling. Anyway, just, just thinking about it, it gets me anxious. So uh, that, that's it's a great story. Okay, we're going to go on a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about, again, heartworm disease and flooding, which we see in many parts of the country, and the damages that can do with our mosquitoes. And uh, not a damage, damage to the mosquitoes, the increased mosquitoes due to us here in uh, those flooded areas. So anyway, don't go away. We're right back. Any of you on Instagram, if you want to join me, you know how to do it. Please do. Be right back after the show. So, you know, I'm always perusing what's going on in the pet world, and I attend all the pet conferences. I came across a company I really like called Carlson Pet Products. It's family-owned, very affordable stuff, and they specialize in creating pet safety products to keep your pets, you know, happily protected from the puppy stage all the way through their senior years. And they have tons of products. They have pet pens and folded elevated pet beds. They have crates, pet gates, etc. And um, I love their portable pens. First of all, they're very lightweight. You can fold them up. They have a little carry bag for storing. So they're really so convenient for you to use. You can use them for at home. You can use them for travel. Or let's say you're just heading someplace down the street and you want to keep them protected. I think it's great. So the pet pens come in two sizes. You have a six panel and an eight panel. And so basically you get ample room to explore and you can add also an attachable canopy. So it creates like a shaded area to protect them from the sun. So for more information, you can visit them at carlsonpetproducts.com. You'll get 25% off the order plus free shipping. If you use the promo code PETLIFE, that's P-E-T-L-I-F-E. You're going to love them. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends, leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, Dr. Julianne Corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing. For those interested in journal therapy and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. So welcome back. You're live with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Alongside me to my right uh, is my IG Live audience on my IG Live show, asking them if they would like to uh, chime in on a question I just asked. And I'd like to hear from you as well, because I want to talk about it and sort of do my own study on based on the people that listen to my show. And that is for A, for those of you who were home for most of the pandemic and now going back to work, those of you that have to leave your dogs behind, how are they? Are they more anxious? Are you hearing problems? Are they barking? Are they are they causing? Are they becoming destructive uh, in the house? Are they leaving you presents at home uh, that where they used to be very well house trained? And also, just nothing. Another thing to consider is a lot of uh, work environments are pet friendly. So people used to get to take the dogs to work. Now it's been a year, and you're bringing your dogs to work again. 
and but so are all your coworkers. And there's a dynamic that's going to change. It's not, I mean, unless you have a very well socialized dog that used to go to the dog park, even during the pandemic, where it was able to commingle and interact with other dogs, it may not be the same dog in that work environment that he or she was before the pandemic. So you just some things to, to keep in mind. I would really like you to chime in on that and, uh, and let me know what you, uh, what your experiences are. And I'll share it with the rest of our, uh, our audience. Anyway, before the break, we talked about floods. A lot of parts of the country have floods this time of year. And what happens with that increased moisture and humidity? Mosquitoes thrive. And I mean thrive. When mosquitoes thrive, that means heartworm thrives. That means West Nile thrives. So all these other mosquito-borne diseases are literally a become much more of a nuisance. So it's very important that you think about year-round prevention of heartworm, especially in those areas. And to prevent year-round prevention of heartworm might cost it's less than a hundred bucks. All right. Whereas to treat heartworm, you're looking at anywhere from a thousand to fifteen hundred, even some areas two thousand dollars to treat heartworm disease. And and depending on on your pet, they may not make it through treatment. So very important when you think about you know that what do they say? An, an ounce of prevention is worth uh, than a pound of treatment cure, and that's true. So you're much better off preventing, getting them on some heartworm preventative. Even in areas like here in Southern California, where we traditionally didn't have a huge heartworm problem. But now we are seeing, not only are we starting to see some mosquitoes, we're seeing mosquitoes that are thriving and in our drier climate and, and ones that are year round. So whereas for here, heartworm prevention was more of a lifestyle. If you lived, if you hiked in areas, if you traveled a lot during the spring and summer to other places, then yes, I would recommend you know, having a heartworm test, starting heartworm. Now with this particular mosquito, the recommendation is becoming that we too here should be treating our pets with uh, a preventive heartworm prevention year round as well. So it's just something to uh, keep in mind. Next up, this is something that I, I heard about from a friend of mine on the human side. And as he was saying it to me, I said, you know, it's interesting that you say that because it's very, very similar to a, one of our training things that we do for pets and it's called operant conditioning. So you've heard of clicker training or anytime you always want to couple if you're going to use food reward, treat reward, which I do, I'm good with that. In moderation, treats can be very small. One thing about treat reward, dogs don't appreciate the difference between a treat this big, this teeny big, and a treat this big. To them, it's the idea of being given the treat. And therefore, there's no need to give them a huge bone every time they do something well and deserve a reward for it. What you do, just give them a break, a little piece, and they're going to be equally as happy. And then my theory is also, they will be more willing to perform for longer periods of time when they're getting a little teeny, teeny treat. Because if you give them a big treat every time, after the third reward, they're full. <laughs> it's it to heck with you. It's like, you know, I used to joke, I'm an ice creamaholic. And when I was in vet school, I'd go through a pint of Haagen-Dazs a night. And, you know, if I ate a pint all the time, every time I sat down and had a whole pint, you can only eat so much. But if somebody was teasing me and just giving me just a little teeny bit of a teaspoon, trust me, I'm going to want to stay there and get more and more and more. And so it is with dogs. But this was interesting. You've heard the term paying a compliment. Where did it come from, paying a compliment? Well, it's interesting is that when the science researchers have shown that the part of a brain that is stimulated when you are being given a compliment is the same part of the brain that is stimulated and fires if you are being given money. So that's the expression to pay a compliment. You're not paying by money, you're paying a compliment and the, the reward intrinsically in the brain is the same. 
So that's really interesting. And now when I think about it, so you can just give somebody a compliment. Giving, giving somebody a compliment, now you know it goes a long way. Uh, and now in this craziness with you know harassment, you know you can't even say, oh my God, you look nice today. Or, or oh God, I, you did something to your hair. I mean, that is absurd. Thank you very much. I'd love to hear people that, that, that want to disagree with that. But you know, everyone has these issues that it's a sexual thing. It's not a sexual thing. It's nice. If it was a guy and you say, well, I like your new shoes, nobody would think twice. But all of a sudden, it's a terrible thing. But if you can say someone to pay a compliment, give a thank you. You did that very well at work with your employees. Those things, that is if you're giving them a bonus reward as far as what it does to them inside their brain. And that reminds me of operant conditioning. Because with operant conditioning, we are coupling a treat, typically, with the, boy, girl, that's good. Yeah, good. All right. And the dogs love it. And or with the clicker, you click, you give the treat, click. Pretty soon, that click is the reward. They don't need the food reward anymore. They're getting that same satisfaction from just the click. Or if you want to say good boy or good girl or got pat on the head, yeah. So just keep that in mind. So there's now obviously some science behind it that it does make sense why they do like it. And another thing, fleas. This is flea season, tick season. You should be on flea tick season. I'm good medication. Now, the older medications, Still very safe, but really not that effective anymore. Any product that has imidacloprid, has fipronil, they were the, the leaders 15, 18 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, they're just not as effective anymore. The selamectins still have some good effect, so they're safe. I like them for cats. But the new class of drugs are the isoxazolines. We had the Brevecto, Credilio, Semperica, NexGuard. They are all very safe. Yeah, there's some links if you go online, they're going to say it causes seizures. You need to do a little more homework about that. It, it might be happening when dogs that have a predisposition to seizures are being given these medications. But the uh, Brevecto has a, a topical for cats as well. And Cordelio just came out with Cordelio Cat, which is a, um, a, a, an oral. It's an oral. So I hope you're very good at, at uh, pilling cats. Uh, some people aren't. I would say most people aren't. That's why when we have something we can give either topically or injectably for a cat, it's like, oh my God, it's a godsend. But it's a chewable, supposedly very, very, very tasty. Cats like it. Obviously, they've gone through a lot of testing. So anyway, now you have another option for something that's very, very effective for your cats. Now, which cats? Well, my cats, yes, because they're though they are indoor only, I have five of them. My five dogs are, are in and out, and they can introduce fleas into the environment. And obviously, cats that are indoor-outdoor definitely need to have protection. So one thing I wanted to talk to before we break, we have just a few minutes left. And that is, we, we always talk about heat, overheating, et cetera. We know that you know, our brachycephalic breeds, our short-faced breeds are, but there are other aspects to sun that can be damaging, detrimental to our pets. And um, dogs can get sunburn. Cats, white cats especially, on their ear tips and their snouts, they can get cancer. They get sun cancer, okay? Squamous cell carcinoma, sun-induced cancer. So you need to start thinking about this. Also, pavement. Pavement stays hot for a long time, even way hotter than, you know, way, way longer than when the sun goes down. So if you take your dog to a little run, which is good to do it after the sun goes down, it's cooler. Pavement is still hot. Think about some booties. Think about some paw protectors. Think about something that will go on and protect the paws. That would be good. Now, remember one thing about booties is that, and dogs' feet, the feet sweat. So when you are going to use booties, which I recommend, you don't want to leave them on forever. You, it, as soon as you get back home, back in the house, you need to take them off because unless they're the kind that breathe really well, 
most because they do have a, a rubber protection on the bottom, they don't breathe very well. The top may, but not the bottom. Dogs sweat through their pads. Dogs sweat through the tip of their nose. And that's about it. Those are the only two parts of a dog's body that has the equine sweat gland, which is our sweat gland. So you don't want to have that in that foot on the Velcro strap above the carpus of the wrist, because that could be a, a problem. So keep that in mind. Now, white fur dogs and dogs with thinning fur, dogs who you shave down for the summer, uh, which is another discussion in of itself, uh, which is usually a no-no, but there are times when you have to do it. Now those dogs are subjected to sunburn. And so you, you need to look for some sort of good sunblock. Uh, there are some things made for pets. You're pretty much safe with anything that you would use for a young child, a young kid, like a SPF 30. Things like PABA, things like uh, zinc oxide, probably not a good idea because if dogs eat them, they can be somewhat toxic, irritating, causing diarrhea. So you want to avoid those. So look for something that is a high SPF, PABA-free, either a spray or a lotion, and make sure you put that on your dogs as well. So anyway, I think that's about it we have all for today. If you want to get a hold of me, a number of ways to do it. Pet Life Radio, you can just send me a, an email to drjeff at petliferadio.com. You can also do jeff at airvet.com. You can reach me here on Instagram. Okay, thanks for joining me here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. I may or may not be here next week. I'm just going to have to recheck my schedule. If not, I will definitely be here in two weeks. We'll let you know. So hopefully we'll somehow let you know by week's end whether or not I'll be able to make it here next week. I'll be coming out of a, a trip and I don't think I'll be back in time. So anyway, thanks for joining me here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And uh, we will see you here, as I said, either next week or for sure the week after. Have a great week. Any of you have any questions, specific questions, any subject you want to talk to me to talk about, please, you can get a hold of me here at Dr. Jeff, drjeff at PetLifeRadio.com. And I'll go ahead and we'll uh, hopefully have you on as a guest with your pet so everybody could share. Because, you know, just don't think that any problem that you have, you're the only one with it. I guarantee that's not the case. If you have a problem with anything with your pet, there are others out there that are having the same problem and just were afraid to ask. So hopefully we'll see y'all soon. Be well. Great week, everybody. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.